I want to let the Holy Spirit speak through the Word of God. I have so much in my heart. And I said to someone yesterday, there's about three or four things where we've been dealing with being built up in the inner man, letting that that uh, mind and will and emotions of the believer be built up and in our walk with God. And, and all of that is stirring in me. I've been studying and reading and praying over this for uh, weeks and weeks. But uh, there's other things that are stirring in my spirit. So when the Holy Spirit does that, you just never know what's going to happen. But we're just giving the Lord liberty, amen, to uh, say out of his word and, and through these moments that we have together, the things that he once said that will touch the very uh, part of you. The Holy Spirit is so faithful. I'm up here and I'm teaching from an outline that, that I feel that the Holy Spirit has given me and I'm, I'm talking to you from, uh, from a, a place that I feel that the Holy Spirit has framed in my heart to speak to you from, but He knows the, the very need of your life. And so while I'm speaking uh, maybe in, in more general terms, the Holy Spirit is taking those words and like an arrow, He pierces the heart of the individual and t- us at the very point of our need. And I'm asking the Lord to do that today, that while we are together, His Word would just pierce your heart and touch you at the place of your need, and that you would be so convinced of His love for you. If you get nothing else today, just be absolutely convinced of how much Jesus loves you. We're in Ephesians uh, this morning, and let's just make declaration. Uh, we always do this. Uh, uh, let's make declaration before we go into the Word this morning. Hold up your Bible, uh, whether it's paper or electronic. Just hold it up. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. It contains many great and precious promises for me. I am who the Bible says I am. I have what the Bible says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. I will study the Word and live according to it because the living Word of God is at work in me. All right. The theme that uh, we have been uh, working with is found in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17 or 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man I want us to go on and read the next few verses that you would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Verse 17 says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I, I just want to talk about that portion of this passage. I've, we taught a couple of weeks ago out of this passage of scripture, but I want to be more directed 
to these statements this morning. The scripture said that the, the apostle was praying we would be strengthened in the inner man. That the mind, the will, and the emotions of the believer would not be weak. Would not be easily shaken. Would not be easily troubled. <clears throat> my mother used to be amazed. My father's a great man of faith, and, and, uh, and my mother's a great woman of faith as well, but... But my, my father just had this special, special unique ability that was no, ma no matter what was going on, and if it was time to sleep, he was going to sleep. whole world could be falling apart around us, it would seem. Everything could be going wrong. If it was time to sleep, dad was sleeping. He was at peace. Always at peace. Strengthened in the inner man. He knew the God that he served. He loved the God that he served. He knew that Jesus was enough and that the Lord was not going to let his trouble overwhelm him. And he just had a way of being at peace no matter what was going on. And my mom would say, how can you sleep? He goes, we'll deal with it tomorrow. Right now, time to rest. And so he had that great sense about him, and I grew up watching that, and, it, and it's an amazing gift to receive, to uh, see that we have the ability as believers to live and to dwell in peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not the kind of peace that the world gives. I'm giving you peace that is sustaining, peace that remains, peace that exists in the midst of trouble. I'm giving you peace. I'm switching microphones because this one's driving me crazy. Test. There you go. Sometimes wireless is good and sometimes wireless is not. And uh, this one today is not. So there you go. So anyway, the apostle prayed that we would be strengthened in the inner man. And then he goes on, anytime you read something in Scripture, you must read uh, the things that are written around it and, and get the context of it because all of the things that the apostle was saying around this statement in this prayer that we would be strengthened in the inner man have everything to do with us being strengthened in the inner man, that, that we would be uh, uh, strengthened as individuals in our walk with God. So he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I want you to understand that to be strengthened in the inner man, first of all, there, there, must, be, uh, there must be within you faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But that scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 that says that, that faith is required and that we cannot please God without faith, it says two things there that we must believe. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that uh, uh, believes God must believe that he is, must believe that he is, but then it doesn't stop there. It says, and must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the Lord is saying, you, you must have faith that you must be convinced that I am. 
But then you must be convinced that, that I am more than just here. But that I am participating, that I am investing in you, that I am reaching to you, that I am a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So believing that he is, that is that's saving faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. You believe that he is and you say, Lord, come into my life and, and change, my, change my heart and forgive me of my sin. And I, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. And all, all, the, all of those things that come about, uh, come about in the reality of understanding that Jesus loves us and that he died for us. And that, that he's saying, whosoever will may come. That's saving faith. I believe that, Lord, that you are. There are many, many people in the, in the kingdom of God, in the church, and in the world today that believe that God is, but their relationship with him goes no further than understanding that he is. Oh, yeah, he's out there. I was thinking about that song that uh, Bette Midler, what a, what a voice she has. And she's saying, God is watching us. But unfortunately, her paradigm is God is watching us from a distance. But that's not what this says. This says you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So he's not watching you from a distance. He's, he's watching you up close. He's participating with you. He's invested and involved. He wants, to, he wants to speak with you, and he wants you to speak with him. And when you speak with him and when you have uh, uh, an exchange uh, with him, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the Bible says they will be filled. Those who hunger after the things of God, he will fill them. So there's a little more that, that needs to be there than, than saving faith. That uh, statement that he is a rewarder, of, he will reward those who diligently seek him. Evidence of faith, if you have faith in God, evidence of your faith in God is that it will produce, produce in you a diligent seeking after him. Lord, I'm hungry for you. Lord, I want more of you. It's so interesting to me because the Bible actually teaches, you know, that the fullness of the Godhead bodily indwells a believer, that the Spirit of God has come to dwell in you, that you have in you as a believer everything that God is. And yet there's this cry in our hearts, and it's appropriate to have this cry in our heart, Lord, I want more of you. Well, it's not... Essentially, that you're getting more of God, but you're getting more understanding of God. You're getting more relationship with God. You're getting a broader understanding of who he is. And so when we say, Lord, we want more of you, what we want to say is, Lord, get the blinders off my eyes. Get the things off of my mind that keep me from seeing you in fullness. And let me, let me see and experience you in the fullness of who you are. Evidence that you are a person of faith this kind of faith is, is uh, diligently seeking. Faith in God will produce a hunger for him that will cause us to diligently seek after him. Oh, God, I want more of you. I want, I want a closer relationship with you. I want to experience you. And then uh, the scripture says in Romans Chapter 4 and verse 17, it actually talks to us about having faith like God. Faith like God. What did it take for God to stand up and, and uh, a creation and say, let there be light? 
and out of his mouth comes those words, let there be light, and there's light. Let the waters divide from the land, and the waters moved over, and the land came up, and, and he just began to create with the word of his mouth and call to order those things that were out of order. And God says to you as an individual, let's the God kind of faith, God who calls those things that are not as though they are. Parents, that's a word, that's a word to you about raising your children. How many understand that at some point in your life, ch- child-rearing life, baby's going to have a meltdown. Baby's going to throw a fit. And, and mom and dad get to decide right then what our perspective is going to be. Are we just going to respond to the meltdown and, and uh, speak harsh words and, and uh, be un, uh, unreasonable or frust- speak out of frustration, words that break and tear down? Or are we going to take God's perspective on what he's trying to do in the life of that individual and speak words that build up and, and uh, give direction that strengthens and brings wisdom and, and brings maturity? Calling those things that, how, how, many, how many know right then that is not a peaceable child? And you get to call things that are out of order into order. You get to move with wisdom and speak the word of the Lord over your children and love them and shape them and form them with your words and your actions into people of the kingdom of God. Calling the faith. It takes faith that calls those things that are not as though they are to raise a young man or woman of God. Well, you will find that that experience exists throughout our life with the Lord. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And we become people that, like God, call those things that are not as though they were. The Bible says that of Abraham. The moment that God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, you and Sarah are going to bear a child, that Abraham began to believe God that what God said was true, even though it was the impossible thing. even though it was the impossible thing. God has equipped you with the Holy Spirit to assist you in believing him for what seems impossible, for what seems out of reach. God's calling you to be a people who can believe him for impossible things. Mm. But he tells us this. Be strengthened in the inner man through the Spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And this is really what I want to talk to you about today. What does it mean to be rooted and grounded in love? What kind of experience with God brings us to that place? Well, the scripture tells us that if, if we, can, we can prophesy, we can, if we can heal the sick, if we can even raise the dead, if we can do all these powerful things through the power of the Spirit, but if we do not have love, we're just a gong. If Dominic was still up there, I'd have him hit the cymbal really loud so you could get that, that picture. We're just noise. That's what, that's what the Bible says. If you, I don't care how many great things you can do. If you don't have love, you're just a noisemaker. A noisemaker in the kingdom. We have enough of those. Are you here? Am I in the right room? 
you being rooted and grounded in love. So the Bible teaches us to be rooted and grounded in love. We do that through the word of God. Uh, Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So if we are, uh, if we are strengthened in the inner man, Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith. And then the Bible says this, faith works by love. You know, there's a lot of people in the earth that are trying to walk by faith without realizing that the motor of faith is love. You want to be a person of faith? Start with love. Start with love. And so the word says that being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. Rooted and grounded in love. Faith comes by hearing. Faith works by love. And then Galatians 5, in in verse 13 through 16, I'm not going to read this section of Scripture, but it teaches us that love works by walking in the Spirit, by being led by the Spirit of God. Faith works by love, and love comes up in us through the Spirit of God. You know why? Because the opportunity to love, a command to love, an instruction to love means that there's going to be a time to love when it's not easy to love. How many understand that most of the time when we're following the instruction to, to love, that the instruction to love is there because it's not easy to love? Not everyone that we desire to love is all that lovable. But because of the Spirit of God, he deposits in us the ability to love one another. And it, it is awesome to me as, as the members of the body of Christ that we come together and uh, that people come into uh, this place and they say, oh, I just felt so loved in my time at Church of Living Water. I, I, uh, I sense the love of God. I sense that, that the people love and that Jesus loves. Well, that is the absolute truth. That is the reality. That's the reason that uh, we took time this morning just to pray for one another, just there to be an exchange of the love of God between us, that we would lift one another up and encourage one another because faith works by love. The motivating, the motivating, it's like the gasoline in your car. The gasoline that propels your faith is love. The fuel that propels your faith is love. And so it begins with loving, loving one another and and loving the Lord and receiving his love. Now, I hear the Holy Spirit just sharing with me that that there's individuals. I I can talk to you about loving one another. But if in your own understanding you cannot receive love. You can't give away what you do not have. The Lord loves you so much. You're created in his image and in his likeness, and he gave his life for you. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet far off from him, while we did not have a relationship with him, that because of his love for us, he gave his life for us. That's the love that we need to be rooted and grounded in, that we're rooted and grounded in love. 
And I'm, I believe the Lord that this statement that the apostles making here in verse 18 that we may be able to comprehend he says be rooted and grounded in love that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of christ his love is so vast that the apostle says here to know the love of christ which which passes knowledge well how do you know something that supersedes knowledge How do you know something that's bigger than what you could possibly know? How do you know something that's greater than what you could possibly comprehend? The apostle says, I want you to know the length and the the depth and the height and the breadth of love that you cannot possibly comprehend. He loves you, but yet it's larger than your mind can contain. I love that expression. Love that passes knowledge but he says that you would be able to comprehend it you know what that is the length the depth the height the width to know the love of christ which passes knowledge it's not enough to know about god come on it's not enough to know about god you must know god And the wonderful thing about knowing God is the longer I know him and the more I know him, the more I realize that I don't know him. Every time I think I have understanding of him in a particular area, he broadens that understanding and he shows a facet of himself to me. He shows a side of himself to me that I didn't have understanding of before and I discover there's more to him. He wants me to see more of him. He wants to express himself in greater measure to me so that I can have greater understanding of who he is only to discover that I don't have the understanding of who he is, that he's greater than my ability to understand, that it surpasses knowledge. The love of God that makes, the the love of God that is so great that it makes no sense. If we could love one another that way, I was thinking as we were driving home from the county office on Monday, this makes no sense. But the love of God that makes no sense gives you the ability to love people, to love one another, to love him in a way that is so extravagant that it makes no sense. It certainly makes no sense to human understanding. It certainly makes no sense to the culture that is around us that we would love one another so deeply and so extravagantly that it makes no sense to the human understanding. But yet it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to love in a way that surpasses knowledge, that just simply doesn't make sense. To love the culture around us, the people around us, in a way that makes no sense to our human understanding. I was talking to a man that used to, used to be here there in Texas now, uh, was... Uh, was a Muslim man that came to Jesus, and I said, what drew you to Jesus? And this is what he said. He said, I began to read the word of God, and I began to see, for God so loved the world. And I began to see things like love one another as I have loved you. He said, the thing that drew me to Jesus and the thing that will draw everyone uh, from my background and from my culture to Jesus is when we love them because their experience 
does not have love. God loved us so much that he sent his son, his only son, the scripture says, to give his life as a ransom for our sin. It surpasses knowledge. It makes no sense that someone who we were enemies of would love us. It makes no sense that someone would love their enemies. It makes no sense that someone would, would love those who do, dis, who do spiteful things toward them. That makes no sense. But the Bible says that, that when we love someone who's even doing evil against us, that it heaps coals of fire on their head. It just makes them go, what is this? This does not, I don't understand this. We're called to love at that level. So it's not enough to know about God. We must know God, that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. I believe that being filled with all the fullness of God really doesn't have as much to do with all the gifts of the Spirit and all the, all, all the uh, extravagant things that God does because he loves us. All that's wonderful. But I think being filled with all the fullness of God is, is a deposit from God that allows us to love extravagantly. Being filled with a deposit of God that allows us to love in a way that makes no sense to the people around us. Being filled with the love of God to the point that no matter what we do, one thing we are not is a bunch of noise. We are not just noisemakers in the kingdom of God. We are serious about the things of the Lord. We are serious about the word of God. We're serious about the spirit of God. We're serious about the things of the kingdom of God. But all of that sits on a foundation of knowing him with a capacity to love, to give love and to receive love. If you're, if you're here today and, and you have a hard time receiving love, you need to hang out here. And let us love you and let us minister to you and bring freedom to you in that area because you are called of God to love and to receive love. You need to hang out among people who will love you until you are free flowing with the love of God. Until his love is just flowing in and through you and out from you in such a dramatic way. That sudden you, suddenly you wake up one morning and you go, wow, I am just not the person I was when I began this walk. Paul is not saying that the love of Christ is unknowable, but that it will always be beyond our knowing. There will always be more of him to know. He's not saying that it's unknowable when he says it surpasses knowledge. He just says that when you get there, you're going to want to know more. There will always be more to know. And the scripture speaks of knowing it's, an, it's a relational, experiential kind of knowing. Now listen, listen. Let me help you with something. We don't seek experience. Church, the church in the earth today is a mess over seeking experience. God wants you to experience him. 
God is experiential. He sent the Holy Spirit so that we could experience him. But we are not seeking experience. We are seeking Jesus. When you begin to seek experience, you'll have all kinds of experiences. But when the scripture speaks of knowing God, it is a relational, experiential kind of knowing. This knowing includes but goes beyond intellectual understanding. There is an experience to have in God, but we are not seeking experience. We are seeking God. The Bible says uh, the, 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 there was an old, let me say this. There was an old writer. We actually, set, we actually sang this in men's prayer Tuesday night. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, an old song. Look full in his wonderful face. I have walked with God these many years, and I'm here to tell you, I, I don't want to cease to have experience with him. But I love him. And if the Lord determined that from this point on in my life, things are going to be very quiet, and I wasn't going to see all that much happen, I'm still going to walk with Jesus because I've looked in his face. Not about what I've experienced. I've looked in his face. And the things of the earth, the writer said, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. We're not seeking experience, but relationship with him is experiential, and you will have experience. But you take that experience and you mirror it in the word of God and you don't live out of the experience. You don't preach the experience. You don't teach the experience. You don't you don't make some doctrine out of the experience. You live the word of God. He is the living word. He is the word. So this knowing includes, but it goes beyond intellectual understanding. And then he tells us this. Why, I love that he launches from that place where we realize that knowing him is greater than our intellect can comprehend. And he says in, in the last uh, verse, verse 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think, all that your intellect can comprehend, all that your intellect can imagine, he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all of that. Anything you can come up with, he's able, he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all of that. So that passage says, Now to whom, him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, listen to this, listen to this. Oh, saints of God, take a hold of this. According to the power that works in us. This is why you... 
I'm anticipating the, the, the marching forward of saints of God in the earth doing great exploits for the kingdom of God, changing lives with their, with their word of their power, with them, with them moving in the power of God in the earth, laying hands on the sick and them recovering, speaking to the demonized and them being set free, speaking to those who are depressed and who are broken and that, and that being broken out of their lives. That is, what, that is the power that works in us. But he's able to do more than I can imagine or think right in this moment, more than I can express to you, greater than I could possibly imagine. He's able to do more than my intellect can comprehend. So he says, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Now listen to this. Romans chapter 6 and verse 10 tells us the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You have the dead-raising Spirit of God in you. Oh, come on, you're too quiet, Pentecostal people. You have the dead-raising Spirit of God in you. You have the life of God. The very breath that brought Jesus out of the grave lives in you. That's what that says. The exceeding greatness of his power in us who believe. Ephesians 1, verse 18 and 19 says, The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in the believer. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And, and there's a lot of, there, listen, believers, every time, I, every time we go through this, this being built up in the inner man and we start talking about this, I, I uh, have to, uh, I get taken back to this point. The Bible says that when Jesus rose from the dead, and he ascended to the Father. He was seated at his own right hand. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 through 22. Above all principality and power and might and dominion. And there he put all things under his feet. But I'm going to remind you again. Can I remind you again that he didn't stop there, but he went on into chapter 2, and he said, because of his great love toward us, because of his great love toward us, because of his great love toward us, he, he seated us there with him. The love of God takes you and see, took you and seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're seated there with him. You're seated there above all power and principality and might and dominion. You're seated in the same place he is. Right next to him. There's a chair with your name on it. We're seated with him. Ephesians 2, you, you ought to get out your Bible and you ought to sanctify it with a highlighter in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. And you ought to just highlight that and underline it and memorize it and remind yourself that when Jesus sat down in the seat of authority above all power and authority, that you were seated there with him. I was thinking this morning, my son is, how old is Jonathan? 33 years old. If Jonathan were to call me and he were to say, Dad, there's this little neighbor kid about nine years old, and every time, I, every time I turn around, he's in the backyard, and he's pulling the grass and tearing down the trees and the bushes in the back. He's just tearing up my yard, and I fix him, and he comes back, and he tears him up again. Would you make him stop? Now, would he call me and tell me to make him stop? Would that not be ludicrous? He has 
First of all, that's his yard. He has the authority. He'd go to the neighbor and say, you know, tell your little kid to stay out of my yard. And, uh, and, or, or he can uh, put a lock on the gate. Or he can call the police that, and have them come out and have a conversation with the little kid about not going in the neighbor's yard and tearing things up. But that's his place of authority. And it would be ludicrous for him to call me and say, Dad, will you make him stop? But yet we do that to God all the time. God, why won't you make that go away? Why won't you make the devil leave me alone? And God is saying, I seated you in a place of authority. You're seated there with me. Open your mouth and do something about it. Drive out the enemy. It's foolish for you to call on me to say, make, to ask me, oh, daddy, make it stop. I seated you there in the place of authority. Mature in your faith and know my word and know who you are in God and begin to be able to take authority in the circumstances and situations of your life when you are being overrun by a thought life that is keeping you in places of darkness and you are free, sitting at the right hand of God in the presence of Almighty God next to Jesus. You have within, your, you have within the word of God and, within, and upon your tongue the ability to take authority in your situation. Take authority! Drive him out. I really discovered something. God has never told, in, in my many years now, God has never told the enemy to leave me alone. I have. He taught me how to tell the enemy to back off. Oh, Jesus, make the devil leave me alone. That's not going to happen. Jesus is saying, oh, get up and make the devil leave you alone yourself. I gave you authority. Does it not say in Ephesians, all, uh, above all power, above all might, above all dominion, above every name that is named. He seated him there. And then he seated you with him. Above all authority. Above all power. Above all might. Above all dominion. You are seated there. You should, not be, you, you, you should not be in a situation where you're being tormented all the time. You should not be in a situation where you're being frustrated with life all the time. You should not be in a situation where you're being run around all the time by circumstances and situations and frustrations. You should be in the situation where you are calling those things that are not as though they are where you, being rooted and grounded in love, may see the fullness of the depth and the width and the height and this great, amazing love of God that changed us from being weak in our mind and our will and our emotions to being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Listen, it is never your strength it is always his. It is never your word. It is always his. But you're the vessel through which he must flow. It's his authority flowing out of you. All authority, Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, 
he said to the apostles and he says to you, you go in it. You have my authority. You don't have to be run around the mill anymore. You don't have to be run over by life anymore. You don't have to be the kind of individual, the, the individual who every time uh, things go wrong, it throws you. You don't have to be that person who every time difficult news arises, it just knocks you down. You, you get, the sun comes up, but you don't. Oh, I know. There's at least two of you in the room. You, the sun comes up. You pull those covers up over your head, and you're like, oh, God, it's morning. You don't have to be that guy anymore. Not in Jesus. Not in Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord would strengthen you today through his word. The Spirit of the Lord would strengthen you today through his word, where you are no longer run over by the circumstances of life, where you are no longer run over by thoughts of doubt and fear and insecurity, where you are no longer run over by uh, difficulty that arises. The Spirit of the Lord, I prophesy to you, the Spirit of the Lord to strengthen you today. I prophesy to you health and strength, hope, so that you no longer live out of the thoughts that plague your mind, but you begin to live out of the word of God and what he has spoken over you so that you become a champion in the kingdom of God. So then instead of being on the defensive in the earth that you are literally taking territory.